0: Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is, of course, the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8am UK time. Other than tomorrow, uh, there isn't going to be a show tomorrow morning like this. Usually I'll be on my way to London Colney for Mikel Arteta's press conference because it was moved uh, to the early hours of the morning. Um, So, yeah, apologies, but there is no... uh, There's no morning show tomorrow because I'll be at the presser, uh, which we'll be able to watch, I believe, back... Uh, I don't know if they're doing a live stream on the Arsenal website, but of course, you'll be able to watch the press conference back on the Arsenal way. So make sure that you're subscribed over there as well as here as well. Drop a like on the video, subscribe if you're new, and as always, turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. Uh, good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Blackshine getting in there very quickly. Fantastic to see one of our early risers uh, has become Blackshine. Uh, Matt G, good morning to you. To Carl, Stevie, Aracilke, Morgie, uh, Paul, Stephen, we've got Kevin. Uh, uh, Stephen uh, LVX, we've got DJ D10 uh, Tabani LVX, Christopher AFC Till I Die, David Stewart Louis, and plenty more as well. Let's get on with today's stories. Um, we kick off with a roundup of all the Premier League action of yesterday. Crystal Palace winning four three against West Ham United. Goals from Ayu Zaha Schlup and a penalty from Eberci Eze were enough to counsel out Thomas Suchek, Antonio and Ajed's goals uh, in what was one of the biggest goal-scoring games of the season. Uh, Not only that, but we saw Brentford break Nottingham Forest hearts with a 2-1 victory uh, up until the 82nd minute. Forest were winning. Unfortunately, they couldn't hold. And I say unfortunately because I don't want to see Forest go down. It gives me an excuse to go up to Nottingham every season. Fingers crossed uh, they managed to stay up for the end of the campaign, but not when we obviously travel there. I hope we batter them. Uh, And Brighton coming out with a huge 6-0 win over Wolves. Uh, They rotated players, McAllister, Matoma, Caicedo, all being rotated, just ironically, like we saw McAllister and Caicedo unavailable when Arsenal went to Brighton uh, but on New Year's Eve. You remember that game. And yet the... Residual quality that was still available. Undaf getting a couple of goals. uh, Pascal Gross getting a couple of goals. And Danny Welbeck, of course, as well, getting a couple of goals. So, yeah, very interesting indeed. Brighton are looking very good, as are Newcastle, of course, as well. And they are Arsenal's two fixtures after we played Chelsea on that Tuesday night. Um, But Newcastle played today against Southampton. Fulham host Manchester City at 2pm UK time. So that's certainly one for you to keep an eye on Um, and we can hope, keep those fingers crossed at least, um, that we can get a good result from Fulham I'm not getting my hopes up, but we can keep our fingers crossed. Then a really, really big game between Manchester United and Aston Villa. Aston Villa can close the gap to just three points to Manchester United, although they have played two games more than the Old Trafford side. Um, But a very interesting game indeed to keep your eyes peeled upon. Bournemouth hosts Leeds United. Liverpool play Spurs... And then tomorrow, Leicester play Everton in one of the biggest relegation battles of the season. So keep those fingers crossed that the Cottagers can do what we need them to do. It's never been an easy place to go to unless you're Arsenal. Let's hope that Man City can't emulate the performance that Arsenal managed to put in on the river uh, a few weeks ago. Now, Arsenal's under-18s beat Aston Villa 2-1. Two goals from Ethan Noanieri sealed the victory for Jack Wilshere's side, enabling them to recover from, of course, that frustrating uh, FA Youth Cup defeat to West Ham United. Um, the win means that they are now positioned in, well, actually looking down the table... Um, Am I looking at the other south? Here we go, because it's split up into (laughs) That's why I was getting confused. It's split up to the north and south for the under-18s. Arsenal are now positioned in ninth in the table. 23 points they've got um, this season. Of course, they had that terrible start to the campaign where they were losing games, losing games, losing games, um, but managed to get a a good victory indeed yesterday. Uh, 21 games played, six wins, five draws, and 10 defeats in the game as well. Everton, meanwhile, in the northern section of the league, 22 games played 31 points themselves so Arsenal are actually getting a, a good results against Everton there moving forwards and uh, some positive news on the youth football front again uh, Michael Rosiak has signed a brand new contract with Arsenal his first professional contract with the club oh no it's not coming. I thought TGC sneezes there. It's not. It's gone away. It always threatens and then runs away. I'll come back in a second. Signing my first professional contract, Michael said, for Arsenal means everything to me. It's pretty amazing, he said, after putting pen to paper. Playing for the club, I've always loved and watched growing up. Hopefully, it will be the first of many contracts. Now, he's uh, a defender that's been, you know, scoring goals for Arsenal great from a set piece as well and uh, his contribution during the FA Youth Cup run uh, was certainly really important he got twice scored twice at the Emirates and obviously got that last minute winner in the quarterfinal against Cambridge United and a superb free kick in the semi-final helped beat Manchester City as well so a very exciting young player and uh, one that Arsenal will be very happy they've managed to sign up to a brand new deal. Now, Mustafi, of all people, I did not think i would be talking about him anytime soon on the channel, Um, but Squadron Mustafi has been talking uh, to Sky Germany. He says, the positive development that the club have gone through under Arteta is almost more important than winning the league just once and then not being able to build on it, like Leicester City did after winning the title in 2016. I think Arsenal have... Already won a title in which they play in the Champions League again next year because that 's where the club belongs um i didn 't expect to talk about Mustafi. I absolutely understand what he 's saying of course i don 't think his comment's are going to be taken seriously by a lot of people, especially when he talks about how it 's arguably more important that we had the season that we 've had and finished second than win the league i don 't agree with him in that aspect. I certainly think winning the league this season was beyond all doubt the absolute aim and would have been an amazing achievement. However, I do get the sentiments behind what he's saying, that the development made, the progression that Arsenal have taken moving forwards is a huge, huge benefit to Arsenal's long-term future. And yes, there's an argument that had we won the league this season and then trailed off and then fallen away in the following years, it wouldn't necessarily be as good as Arsenal being able to establish themselves as regular title challengers with the opportunity to win not just one, but potentially more titles between now and the long-term future. That's what we want for the team. We we don't want one title and then flitter away into the night to be like Leicester have. And I know that we're not Leicester. Um, but you don't want that. You want to get to the position where you're competing at the top and then you want to try and build on that as well. And that's what Arsenal ultimately want to try and do. It's also good to see a player who was ultimately let go by Arteta talking so positively about Arsenal and the club. I think he appreciates the time that he had under Arteta, the opportunity that he was given. And there were those rumours that we nearly offered him a brand new contract as well. So uh, clearly there was some good relationship between him and Arteta. Uh, moving to transfers and Frankfurt forward Randall Colo Muani. According to Fabrizio Romano, is expected to be uh, causing figures in the transfer market upwards of 80 million. It said that they will turn down figures around 60, 70, 80 million euros for Colo Muani. They want to keep him for one more season, and the French international would require a massive bid for any club to try and go in for the 24-year-old. He's got something like 12 goals and 11 assists this season. Uh, actually, make that 13 goals and 12 assists in the Bundesliga this season, and 20 goals and 14 assists across all competitions in 40 games. That's 34 goal contributions in 40 matches. Very impressive indeed. And certainly one of the younger age-profile strikers that I certainly would be very interested in Arsenal moving for. However, just like anyone else in this league and anyone else in this continent, it seems, that is of that figure, of that price tag, that are scoring this many goals, it's going to be very, very difficult indeed for Arsenal to try and get their hands on them. Moving forward to our headline story of the day, and according to Foots Mercato, Arsenal have a brand new Right back target on the books as well. Devin Wrench of Ajax has supposedly become a brand new target of Arsenal. As we know, Arsenal have been looking at the likes of Ivan Fresnader, Sasha Bui as well. But it seems that the Netherlands international is certainly someone that Arsenal have an interest in. Three goals, one assist in 22 Eredivisie uh, appearances so far this season. He could play right back. He can play left back. He can play centre back. He's got a lot of versatility about his game at 20 years old as well. There's lots of potential there. And you can understand perhaps why. Certainly, he's a player that Arsenal would be looking at. So, yeah, very interesting target indeed. And maybe one that can help Arsenal next season. Anyway, let's move to part two your questions right after this.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get hold of, of course, our TGT merchandise. Uh, We've raised uh, around £1,500 for the Arsenal Vision fundraiser this month. Um, But it doesn't mean you can't not buy any more caps. They are still available, of course, in the TGT store. Uh, You can go onto the store tab on the YouTube homepage of the channel. You can also go down to the link in the description if you want to get your hands on any of those goodies. Uh, Of course, there is all the profits that we make from it are donated to the Arsenal Foundation and Macmillan Cancer Support. So you're helping some great causes and sporting some fantastic headwear as well. Okay. Chat box, I think it's time to jump into and get some of your questions and see what you guys are having a good chat about. Mike Hertz, good to see you in the chat box, my friend. Uh, Good morning and good night from California. You can criticise Mustafi on a sporting level, but he was always committed, unlike a few other bad apples. Probably fair to point out. Um, There's apparently a good question um, for me going a long way. It would be Malcolm McDonald, super strong, powerful centre forward, who scored at the same rate as Thierry Henry. Uh, and Ian Wright, Dream Edition. Uh, who is this in response to? I'm curious now. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there's any questions. Ian McDonald, a name that's gone completely over my head. three so says, is he a future first right back, uh, Rod, regarding Wrench in the first team? I certainly think so. Um, The level of quality he's been showing at Ajax, not just this season, but last season as well, his versatility. He does seem to be a profile that would attract Arsenal into things as well. Um, Let's go to uh, sign the team, Ranieri lad, says Omar. Absolutely so. Uh, Xhaka, my captain, says, yeah, it's not going to be a smooth ride for either of us or City. We both are still to drop points in my opinion I don't think Arsenal can afford to drop any points if they have any hope of winning the title I think they have to win their last five games Arsenal have had a history of ending seasons relatively strongly and can go on runs so it's not necessarily meaning that it's completely over but a big win against Chelsea I think is what is needed for Arsenal to get their season back on track uh, Lynn says is this true Tom that Arteta could turn down Rice and Caicedo to buy players to strengthen the squad in the summer um, I'm not sure What do you mean? I mean, I think that both Rice and Caicedo, you know, as we've talked about before, are players that Arsenal are very interested in. They tried to sign both in January. We know that the Caicedo bids were turned down. There's even been suggestions and reports, I believe, that suggested that we moved for Rice, but West Ham had no interest in selling in that January window. However, Rice, as we've talked about before and as we're well aware of, is the priority target for us this summer. Is expected for Arsenal to move for him when the transfer window opens, perhaps even before. There will have been talks going on, as we know, for quite some time. If you think back to Gabriel Jesus and the deal that we did for him, there were discussions going on as far back as the November before he moved. So Arsenal put a lot of early groundwork into these deals. And I imagine that's probably been the case with players like Rice and, of course, Caicedo as well. Let's see what happens. Um, But I'm hopeful that Arsenal will get at least one of these two profiles, Lin. Who knows? Maybe both. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful if it was both, because, of course, they would add so much quality to the team. But that would cost a hell of a lot of money. Uh, Cerise says, is it true that Vlaovic is offered to Arsenal? No idea, mate. Have not heard that myself, I'm afraid. Um, But certainly a player that has been linked to Arsenal before and that Arsenal were very interested in the January window of 2022. Nothing, though, since that point has suggested that Arsenal will be going back in for the Serbian international. He's only got something like eight Serie A goals, I think, this season, to be fair. So it's not like he's kicked on amazingly well since his move from Fiorentina. It's not to say he's not still a great player, but he's not necessarily kicked on in the same way that I think many people thought he might do when he moved from Florence. Um, Lee says, why does Arteta have a reluctance to play Tierney when it's been clear that Zinchenko is vulnerable in defence? Why not change it up a bit? there has been fair suggestions that Tierney should probably come in for Zinchenko. I think one of the reasons, Lee, behind this is because he's so married to the idea that Zinchenko brings so much kind of forward-thinking and slick footballing ideas to the team that is so necessary to his kind of system. And that's one of the big reasons why we continue to see Zinchenko play, even though Tierney might be a better, more astute option to choose in certain fixtures, like he probably may have been against City but maybe we'll see Tinney come in in the next few weeks or so um Marcus says I'm not particularly keen on Mason Mounts but where do you see him fitting in I think I can see him fitting in where Xhaka is right now and changing that left eight position if Arsenal were to move for him there is an interest in the player I'm very very um Very convinced by what we've heard from the likes of David Ornstein and Sam Dean as well, that there is a genuine interest in Mason Mount. And if Arsenal do move for that player, yeah, I would probably expect him to play in that left eight position and be part of that front five attacking fixture with Martin Odegaard, Saka Martinelli and Jesus. Um, Fahim says, I read a story saying that Arsenal's pursuit of Mount could hinder our chances of bringing in Rice or Caicedo. What are your thoughts? Maybe it means both. I don't think that a deal for mounts would necessarily stop Arsenal from signing Rice or Caicedo. That would surprise me if that was the case. Arsenal know how important it is to bring in that deep midfielder. I don't think they'd let an attacking midfielder block the pathway of them moving for a Rice or a Caicedo type forward. Um, Chris says, Tom, can you let? Can you help me convince my fellow fans to let go of the Ivan Tony and Vlahovic wish? Well, the Vlaovic situation, you know, I think that that ship's probably sailed. I don't know how much I can say to convince people off of him other than maybe have a look at how he's transitioned to a bigger club like Juventus. And it's not necessarily seen him score as many goals. I know he's not played as many games, but... You know, that goal record, is that been affected by that move? Will he need to transition another time, move into Arsenal? But could he fit more seamlessly in the Premier League? Who knows? Difficult. Tony, I'm far less convinced on, you know, 27 years of age. If you buy Tony, you're getting what you pay for. And that's why I'm kind of looking at the younger age profiles of strikers. Because if you buy, say, a 20, 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old striker... What you're getting there is someone a lot more malleable someone with a higher ceiling someone that can develop into the role at arsenal over the next few years plus and become an even better player than they are right now you know you look at gonzalo ramos you look at colo uh, Moani, you look at victor Ozimen, you look at strikers of a younger age profile compared to ivan tony players that yes would cost a hell of a lot of money as would tony to be fair and you're bringing in someone that can grow and develop and score the number of goals they're already scoring, and go on to even bigger and better things at Arsenal, and adapt and kind of adjust to that that switch. If you look at clubs, you know, that have brought in players that are of the older age profile at the top of the table, you don't send, you don't tend to see the move as successfully. You know, for instance, you think about. Um, Think about Ricky Lambert, you know, going from Southampton to Liverpool, for instance. You know, he was scoring into double digits every single season uh, for Southampton and, and struggled to get many goals whatsoever. Uh, you think about Danny Ings moving uh, to Aston Villa after scoring plenty of goals for Southampton. It didn't necessarily work out as successful. You think about Lukaku going back to Chelsea at a later stage in his career. You think about Alexis Sanchez going to Manchester United going to, at his later stage in his career. And not scoring as many goals. But you look at what Man City have done. They've brought in Gabriel Jesus at a young age. They obviously brought in Sergio Aguero before when he was at a younger age at Atletico Madrid. They brought in Erling Haaland. They brought in Julian Alvarez. You look at Liverpool, Jota, Nunez. These teams at the top of the table, oh, I can feel it... I couldn't find the mute button. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's coming, and I can't find it in time. But you look at these like bigger clubs, you look at the clubs that have been looking to try and win titles in the last few years. They're going out and they're buying strikers at an age profile that is younger, so they know that they can develop into the top, top players. They can have got they're malleable still, they're moldable, you know, they can still develop a lot more at those clubs. So I wouldn't go for someone like Tony because. There is obviously the attitude and the investigation stuff, the allegations going on at the moment as well. But you need to also think about the fact that I think if you buy someone, a striker in particular, a striker in particular, I think striker is, is the position for this discussion in particular. If a midfielder, I'm more keen on. Yeah, you know, if you bring in a 27, 28 year old midfielder, I'm more keen on that, even a defender. But for a striker, I think that there's scope for Arsenal to try and look at the, at the model of Man City, at the model of Liverpool and kind of assess what that might do. Um, I think that that might be the way forwards for Arsenal. Fernando Torres moving from Liverpool to Chelsea, Falcao uh, moving to Man United and Chelsea as well. So, yeah, I think that... I don't think Tony takes Arsenal to the level to compete with Man City, but I think if Arsenal sign a younger profile striker that can develop into a player in a year or two, that's scoring still, you know, well into double digits, potentially 20-plus goals for their club already... That's the way forwards um, for Arsenal uh, in terms of the striker debate. And by the way, signing a striker does not mean the end of Gabriel Jesus. No, Gabriel Jesus is a really important part of Arsenal's team. He's a really important part of the future of Arsenal as well. I think that his versatility is a really big asset to the team. I think the way that which he is a style of striker that he is, his collaboration with the forward liners aided the development of players like Saka Martinelli Odegaard. And I think that he is going to still be a very important part of this team. But for Arsenal, I think, to win the league, you can't just have Jesus and then Trossard to back it up. I think you need another forward of another level. Is that following Balogun? Has he developed into that player? Maybe. Maybe. So that's what I think we need to be looking at, personally. Um, Isola says, what are your thoughts on Kivior playing in the CDM role if Partey is not up to par alongside Jorginho? Not this season, Um maybe use Kivior and test him out a bit in positions in pre-season. But in these last five games, if Partey comes out, Jorginho comes in, I think then you become a little bit more adventurous with the number eight left-sided role. You know, whether that's still Xhaka, whether that's Trossard coming in, whether that's Smith-Rowe coming in, you know, I think that Jorginho comes in, but Kivior... You know, you experiment with him in the preseason. maybe. I don't think I'd experiment with him in these five games between now and the end of the season. Uh, Cass says, if we buy a right-back, would another centre-back as well come in if we have White, Saliba and Tommy Assi that can cover the right side and then we can strengthen in other areas like midfield and another striker? I do think right centre-back is further down the list of priorities that Arsenal have. I think it would be, you know, centre midfield has to come first. Then you're looking at the right back and the forward areas. And then you're looking at that right sided centre back. Depending on what happens with Tierney and Tavares, you know, left back comes into the discussion as well. But you're right to suggest that bringing in a right back does free up Ben White to be a bit more of a versatile option defensively for us, and also depending on the right back they bring in, if it's someone like a Wrench uh, from from Ajax who can play centre back, you're also arguably covering off that position at the same time by bringing in someone of that ilk. You know, same as if you looked at someone like Urian Timber, maybe someone like that who can also play right back and centre back. I think that's that versatility is something that Arsenal and Arteta really appreciate. Uh, Chris says, Tom, don't you think that ESR should be given a go as the left eight? I think he could do that job, and we don't need Mason Mount. It depends. It depends what's happened with Smith-Rowe. Is he able to come back and respond to this season that he's really struggled with? He's had his injuries, then not been able to get him any minutes. Is he going to be able to come back and respond? I've I've backed him this season to play that left eight role. I've had a number of discussions with a number of people that convinced me earlier this season that that's some way that he could play and I'm very open to seeing it happen but we've not had an opportunity to see it happen at the moment so it's it's difficult it's difficult to see how he might come back in adding Mount to the team you know he's a Champions League winner he's someone that um, is in the England national side a player that I like I know that he's not convincing everybody and that's fine everyone's entitled to their view Um, but certainly would you think create quite a difficulty for Smith Rowe in the future Um, let's go to, uh, Nexus says, has the Gabriel Jesus number nine project failed? Does he need to develop further in that role? No, Gabriel Jesus has done exactly what Gabriel Jesus was bought to do. And that was to take Arsenal to the next step. And the next step for Arsenal was comfortably qualifying for the Champions League. And we have done that with Gabriel Jesus as a forward. Now, the next step for Arsenal is, of course, to win the league. And we need to do everything that we can to get this squad into a position where it can better compete with Manchester City. And for me, that is adding another quality forward with Gabriel Jesus, not instead of Gabriel Jesus. It's like the idea of people saying we should upgrade on Granit Xhaka, we should replace Granit Xhaka. For me, no, you're not replacing Granit Xhaka. You're bringing in someone that can play instead of him when you want to, and that is going to be better than Granit Xhaka, but you don't have to let him go. You let the players like Sambi Lekonga Go, because Sambi Lokonga for me is not going to be good enough to play for Arsenal in the future. Xhaka can be a great competitive option for a player that we bring in that can start, like a Caicedo, for instance. But you move on Lokonga. That's how you build squads that are successful. You know, you think to Manchester City, you think about Nathan Ake, right? Think about Nathan Ake for a second. When they signed Nathan Ake, it was very much seen as a backup to Laporte um, and another defensive option. And people were like, "Really, it's spending." 40 million on relegated Nathan Ake? Now look. Now look at what Nathan Ake has become. It's about looking beyond just the profile of the player and looking to their future and what you think they can offer you and provide in the future. And Man City and Pep clearly saw that in Nathan Ake. I think you have to be clever about the signings that you make. And I also think you have to be clever about the players that you keep. John Stones has been at Arsenal, uh, Sorry, has been at Man City for a very, very long time. He's helped them win titles. He's helped them to the Centurions. He's helped them get... Further than I ever think many people thought John Stones might be able to get to. He's changed his position this season, as has ironically Granit Xhaka. He's gone back to that really natural box-to-box role that he was kind of playing in at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach, So and has played in the Switzerland national side for a long, long time. It's about how you use players. It's about what you can get from players. And Arteta and Arsenal have got a lot from Granite Xhaka. But it's not to say that we shouldn't go and get someone else in. But that doesn't mean that you replace them when you move the other player on. Eddie says RUAG. For me, if a good offer came in for Eddie and Ketia, I think I would be very tempted to accept it. I Just for me, with all the respect in the world, I'm not sure I see Arsenal as title winners with Eddie and Ketia being a significant part of the squad a side like Arsenal in the Europa League I think has space for Eddie Nketiah a side like Arsenal in the Champions League I'm not sure and I think he's a sellable asset as well homegrown you know uh, a proven goal scorer in the Premier League I think Arsenal would get a very good fee for Eddie Nketiah and I lean a lot more towards I think him not being the profile or player that Arsenal are looking to now we've given him a lot of money in terms of a contract so that could be a problem but it's it's difficult to see Eddie being the guy for us going forwards. Um Izzy he says, hey, Tom, what are our chances of getting Izak next to nothing, I'm afraid? And what is your opinion on him? Because when we were linked to him, you previously weren't fully convinced. Yeah, I mean, just because I'm not fully convinced and a player doesn't mean they're not going to succeed. I often caveat my views with, let's wait and see. You never know. I don't know everything. And Isaac has certainly gone on to surprise me and a lot of other people. He's done fantastically well. But yeah, next to no chance, I don't think, Izzy, of getting hold of uh, of Isaac at all now not for absolutely massive massive figure um scrolling down the chat some more uh maximia says tom since we as a club are working on phases of a project what in your opinion is the next phase uh, what do edu and arteta do to take us there and how many more phases do we have for me the next phase is the final phase the next phase for Arsenal is establishing themselves as one of the elite clubs in England and on the continent, again, by making sure that every season they're capable of competing for a title, they're going they're, they're capable of going deep into the Champions League and potentially trying to win that competition. That's the next phase. That's the last phase. And that's the phase that should be the longest in the phases that we've all had. All the phases we've had up to this point have all been building blocks, development, squad building. And, you know, I think the last element of squad building happens this summer. The last time Arsenal should be adding four or five or even six players in a summer transfer window is next summer. We need to get into a position where in the summer of 2024, we're adding two really good players. That's what we need to be looking to do. You think about City and Liverpool and they add two, three in those years that they were competing for the titles together. Two, three players, you know, that are coming into the team. They might add a fourth in terms of like a depth option. Um but we need to be looking to be in a position where, in the summer of twenty-four, we're adding one or two, and then you can start getting to the place where your budget kind of goes towards the biggest and the best. It kind of sucks that Jude Bellingham's going to be on the market this summer and not next summer, because if he was on the market next summer, he's the type of profile that Arsenal can invest a massive, massive figure into. You know, and once you've built your squad and you can start investing your summer budgets in one or two players, that's when you can start doing the hundred millions you know, that's when you're going to start getting into the realms of those kind of figures as a club because that's what you'll be looking to try and do. Um, like, you know, think about when Jack Grealish arrived at Man City. He was the only really... I think he was the only player that Man City signed for the first team that season. Um, maybe they sound like a youth player or a young option, but I'm pretty sure Jack Grealish was like one of the only players they brought in. Um, so, and then they won, and won the league. So it kind of shows you what that what happens when you do that and when you get to that phase as a club. So that's what Arsenal need to aim for. For me, um, Paul says, will we struggle next season with the Premier League and Champions League games because we still don't have a big enough squad? It depends on what we do in the summer, Paul. The plan has to be to not struggle because the plan has to be to do what we do this summer to be able to tackle that as a task. It's, you are never going to breeze through a season. Man City haven't breezed through this season. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get in a place where a season is comfortable for you. You know, we've really really pushed Man City this year and we've ultimately, unfortunately, I think probably come up a little bit short and we've cost ourselves points in games where we've lost Saliba, where we've uh, lost Zinchenko or lost Xhaka or lost Partey in certain games, lost Jesus for an extended period. And there's been times where we've dropped points during those moments but also, we've been playing a lot of games. The same team's been playing over and over again by one or two tweaks because of injury, usually. And that's made us a little bit predictable. Next season, we need to be in a position where we can rotate, become more unpredictable, give us more options from the bench and give Mikel Arteta greater resources to change things in the squad. So, And he needs to get better as well with in-game management and with rotation too. So there's a lot of scope for Arsenal to improve and I'm very hopeful they're going to be able to achieve that. We're going to end the show there. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for tuning in. Um, I really look forward to speaking with you probably later on tomorrow. Uh, As you said, as I said earlier, there won't be an 8 a.m. show in the same sense tomorrow because I'm at the press conference but uh, there will be a show a little bit later on on Monday. We'll also probably be doing our preview show tomorrow as well. Um, Tomorrow evening, we'll be looking uh, at Chelsea and that game against Chelsea tomorrow evening. So I'll be putting a message into the Discord server to get people onto that one. Uh, Thank you ever so much, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate your time. As always, it means a lot. Drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and as always, up the Arsenal.